0: You're listening to the Judicial Watch Weekly Update with Tom Fitton. Hey, everyone. Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update on social media. Thank you, as always, for joining us this week. A lot going on uh, the continued abuse of President Trump with government funding, House government funding. I'll talk about that in the government shutdowns, plus, an update on the DOJ abuse of Trump. I got some details as to whether or not the judge in that case, Judge Chutkin, is biased. Uh, Judicial Watch also has new information about that Chinese lab you may have heard about in California, some pretty scary and gruesome photos, so um, don't don't eat anything while you're watching this video. Uh, Plus, we have new documents about deaths that are possibly linked to the abortion drug that um, Biden is obsessed with pushing on women. Uh, so, just an astonishing um, update. I think you'll uh, you'll find for today. Uh, first up, I'm, I'm wearing a hoodie. can You see, I'm wearing a hoodie. It's in honor of Senator Fetterman from Pennsylvania, who evidently is now running the entire Senate. Uh, Chuck Schumer announced today that, or announced this week, that they're changing the rules. There'll be no more rules for what you have to wear on the Senate floor if you're a senator. Now, if you're a staff member or someone else, different rules for you. And that was, let's go back to that picture, guys. That is what he wore as a result of this rules change and has he presided over the floor of the United States Senate. Now, I'm dressed casually too, but I'm not on the floor of the United States Senate. And to me, to be blunt, this rules change, I don't want to overstate it, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna make the point. Fetterman's unwillingness to dress appropriately, given his position and station, and to honor the American people of the United States by dressing formally on a Senate floor, uh, to me is just typical and an easy way for um, this man, who was, a, who was an ally of the Communists, he's about as Marxist as it gets, Uh, to show his contempt for the institutions that he wants to overthrow, he and his allies. So this dress code is not the end of the world. I tell you though, uh, what's interesting is that Democrats are likely to pull back from it since the public blowback has been so significant. So it shows you that like the corruption and the the erosion of our values, it kind of happens in all different ways here in Washington, D.C. Speaking of erosion and corruption, uh, we have the erosion of our fiscal house uh, and the corruption associated with government spending that is completely out of control here in Washington, D.C. Now, I could go on and on about how much m- money we're spending, how it's too much, $33 trillion in debt is is just the sort of thing uh, that's um, Banana Republic level of spending, you know, we talk about corruption and prosecutions being endemic or uh, 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 The defining characteristics of a banana Republic Spending money that you don't have is also a defining characteristic of a banana Republic So there's a fair argument. We're we're in deep in that regard But as I've been highlighting to you over the last few weeks, and I was out last week. I was traveling uh, this there's an inflection point. There's there's an inflection point now uh, in the House of Representatives because Congress and the House specifically, under Speaker McCarthy, has been unable to get its act together. McCarthy promised in the beginning of January, back when he was uh, trying to uh, gain support to be speaker, that there would be regular order in the budget process. And I'm gonna go slowly through these terms and such because um, I think it's important to use the terms they're using so you understand that the terms generally are a distraction from what really is happening. And they talk about regular order and what they mean is that Congress considers 12 or so appropriations bills, right? So government gets funded through 12 pieces of legislation, one let's say on military or veterans or agriculture, etc. And McCarthy promised all that would be done by June and they'd be sent over to the Senate and the Senate would work on their versions of it and there'd be a conference and we'd figure out what the spending would be about now but what happened they were able to get only one appropriations bill through right now they're facing getting none through I think maybe one more smaller one was passed by the House I think, I don't know if the FAA appropriations, but the Federal Aviation Administration, the Disastrous Administration did get full funding. I'm not aware of any significant reforms, but that's another matter. Uh, And we're facing this this new cliff, this emergency created by incompetence in action and failures of leadership next week. And it's this continuing resolution fight. This is what they call a continuing resolution because they don't have their appropriation bills all in a row and ready to go, or, or they should have been already done by now, they need more time. And in order for the government to operate without these appropriation bills being filed or set up and, and enshrined in law, they um, need a continuing resolution. Now, the length of the continuing resolution is gonna be in dispute, and, uh, but for conservatives and honest Americans and patriots, This is important because it's a leverage point to ensure that everything that you hate gets defunded as a a reason to vote for, you know, in exchange for voting for this continuing resolution. Meaning, right now, for instance, Congress is fully funding the criminal prosecutions of Trump that are unprecedented, abusive, political, and outrageous election interference both through the Justice Department and Jack Smith and his continuing efforts to destroy the political opposition of Biden and jail Trump in the middle of an election next year. Justice Department funds continue to flow to support the offices in New York City run by Democratic politicians in Fulton County, Georgia, run by another Democratic politician who are also seeking to jail and prosecute Trump and other Americans for exercising their First Amendment rights. All of that is being funded right now. And next week, as soon as next week, because the, the fiscal deadline is for the year, I think the fiscal year ends in October, October 1st, so they have to get this done before then, is, um, is the deadline. And I don't know about you, but I wouldn't vote for a continuing resolution without at least those matters uh, being dealt with. On top of that, the Biden administration continues to abuse their powers to censor American citizens. Uh, the border crisis has metastasized even further, as if it were possible, under Biden, where millions and uh, are coming across the border, thousands a day, all subsidized and furthered and enabled by your tax dollars. The Biden administration lets these people cross the border illegally and then uses your money to move them around the country. And the Biden administration wants to spend dollars doing that, basically enabling the invasion, enabling the largest operation of human trafficking in the history of the world. Hundreds of thousands of children trafficked through this operation, and it's fully funded with your dollars. So everything you hate about the Biden administration in terms of policy, and I'm not just talking. Um, and you know, let's uh, let's be honest. I want to just limit this to misconduct, right? All of those things that are undermining our country and destroying our country are being fully funded by this House of Representatives right now. Now, this military bill that they've been fighting over and weren't able to pass this week because they still can't even figure out how much money they want to spend collectively, you know, in toto. You know, that had some reforms of the type we're talking about. We were talking to Andrew Clyde, a congressman from Georgia, a few weeks ago here. I interviewed him. And um, you know, he has an appropriations measure. I don't. I'm not sure where in the process it would come up that would defund the Justice Department's prosecutions of Trump, et cetera. To me, that ought to be the price for any continuing resolution. And there are many other reasons to vote against a continuing resolution because it's no way to run a railroad, right? Just going to vote for trillions of dollars without checking. Uh, or or having any reforms in place just to keep the government operating? That's not the way it should be. And um, now the danger is to get the continuing resolution through. None of the issues that I'm talking about are addressed. And then they run up against another deadline. The appropriation bills are unlikely to be done then. And you know what they do? They just cram it all into what's called an omnibus or or minibuses, they call it. I mean, they, they, I just love these terms that they use to distract from what they're doing. An omnibus is basically funding the entire government, and I know it's not literally the entire government because other spending is kind of authorized in perpetuity, like Social Security, et cetera, in one bill. This is the way it's been working in Washington for at least 10 or 15 years. I don't know the exact number, but as long as I can... I can't remember the last time there was like a normal budget process. And so imagine being a business and running your budget this way. Well, we're gonna write a check for what we spent in the last 12 months plus a little bit extra for inflation. And we're not gonna check anything as to how that money's been spent, whether it's being spent with, uh, you know, uh, through waste, fraud, and abuse, or, or being impacted through waste, fraud, and abuse, or in the case of the Justice Department just being allowed to do whatever they want with tax money, no matter how abusive and political. So that's where we are. And my view is, and I, and I had a press conference, or I didn't have it, I participated in the press conference with members of the House Freedom Caucus who are done with this as well. They're the conservative rump group in the House who have been kind of trying to slow this train down by objecting and slowing it and maybe even shutting the government down in part. And and I don't really participate in too many press conferences on the Hill, as you you may have seen. But I thought it was important for me to represent you uh, through Judicial Watch on Capitol Hill uh, to tell Congress that uh, they need to do their job, and they need to ensure that our tax dollars aren't being used to try to rig an election, jail innocent Americans, censor your rights, your First Amendment rights, Destroy our sovereignty and destroy our nation through an invasion. Abuse children through transgender mutilation and the promotion of that. Abuse our military. Kill our unborn. You name it. This will this will be or is set to be funded. So this is what I suggest you do. And I did a video. I'm going to, tell, I'm going to show you the video. I was I was fired up. I was so fired up. I was traveling. And I had, you know, I had, had a big meeting with other some conservative leaders and activists. And I was, we were out in Phoenix, and at an early morning plane to catch. And I'm like, I got to get this video out because I'm mad. I think people need to know about this sooner rather than later. So I literally rolled out of bed, tried to make myself presentable, and this is what I had to say. Hey, everyone, Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton don't forget, Congress has an opportunity over the next two weeks to shut down the prosecutions of Donald Trump, to defund them. Don't let Congress fool you. Don't let House leaders fool you. They can do it now. They should do it now. They can protect Trump from these abuses. They can protect other innocent Americans from these abuses. They can stop the Biden Justice Department's interference in our elections. They can do it now. Through this continuing resolution process, call your members of Congress and share your views at 202 225 3121. Well, um, pretty simple message, and um, you can see I was pretty darn tired. Uh, But uh, we have a country to save, and I encourage you to, you'll probably see this video, you know at least once through in on the weekend and maybe next week, you gotta call your members of Congress. Call uh, your Congressman and call your Senators. And it doesn't matter if your Congressman disagrees with you or not. The volume of calls and what people are calling about are all noted by members of Congress and members of the United States Senate. They all wanna hear from their constituents. It's valuable data for them to have. And if you call your member, your House members and say, this is what I want, and share your views. And I'm not telling you what to say. I mean, you're all adults. Be polite, be professional. And many of you may even disagree with me. You may say, Tom, you're all wet. We just gotta get past this and and fight another day. But either way, should it take place without your participation? I don't think so. I mean, there are a lot of good congressmen who are trying to do their darndest to at least mitigate the damage caused by this massive government spending, who are focused on changing um, uh, or, or uh, passing uh, restrictions on the abuses of government through this process. So I encourage you to uh, support that, um, you know, to the degree you agree with me. Um, but if you don't, you know, you have your First Amendment rights, I'm not gonna take them away from you. 202-225-3121, that's 202-225-3121, call. If you don't get through, call again. And believe me, even if they don't pick up the phone, the, they, the volume of calls is noted, and if you've called already, call again because the the things change from day to day. I mean, there are lots. of, I'm not going to get into the, my uh, you know the 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 weeds as to what happened this week about what didn't pass or what could have passed and who voted when against what. The fact is, they're at loggerheads, and the challenge for Speaker McCarthy is whether he's going to rely on Democrats working with um, liberal Republicans. Uh, basically to fully fund the Biden agenda with cuts, maybe with some haircuts. But all the abuses, they get a free pass on. You may have seen uh, Attorney General Garland this week testify before the House Judiciary Committee. Uh, He obviously uh, was dishonest and, in my view, provided further evidence of perjury and false statements he had made earlier about his handling and mishandling of the Biden investigation and how that was rigged. And uh, you know, uh, you can go and look at it on C-SPAN, there's been lots of commentary about it. Uh, but what I think is notable is that he didn't, really, he didn't want to really ask or answer anything substantial. Well, why, why would he bother? He's facing no consequences. He's gotten all the money he's asked for ever, and extra. And he's facing no real consequences from this House of Representatives in terms of defunding, defanging and protecting American citizens from the deep state that he's been running on behalf of Joe Biden. So, it, you know, when, when they go up on the hill and they're basically just um, playing games and fighting Congress and there's no real answers, well, they don't have an incentive to provide it accountability and justification under the rule of law, under the rule of law because there are no consequences and I, right now there's an opportunity for consequences and congress doesn't want you to believe anything can be done about all the terrible things that are happening now that's not true it's false and it can be done as soon as next week so i encourage you to participate and i want to keep you updated as well in uh, about the trump cases because the media doesn't want to cover a lot of this and you know, unless you're, you are know, folks like Judicial Watch or, or or people who are following this closely online, you may miss some of the abuses that are taking place and some of the legal back and forth that's taking place. Now, uh, remember, he's got four. Uh, well, excuse me. He, yeah, he's got four cases, right? He's got this New York case by Alvin Bragg. He's got the uh, Fannie Willis case in Georgia related to uh, retaliating against him for pun- for opposing the election. He's got the fr- uh, sham case related to his presidential records that was brought by Joe Biden's appointee uh, through Merrick Garland, Jack Smith down in Miami or Florida. And then he has the case up here in Washington, D.C., before Judge Chutkin, which relates to his, again, his efforts to dispute the January the, the, not the January the election of 2020 and Joe Biden's people and the Justice Department want to put him in jail for disputing Joe Biden's election I mean doesn't that tell you there's something wrong with that process and is before he's before an Obama appointee Judge Chutkin who is obviously no friend of Donald Trump uh, she gratuitously has um, I think for political reasons based on you know, her decision making here set up his um his uh trial in that case for march of next year just before the super tuesday primary so right in the middle of the elections the federal judge accepted the biden justice department's corrupt invitation to, to intervene in the elections it's just outrageous now you know, some, some you get a board. You know, you get a judge that you think is against you, and sometimes there's nothing you can do. You just have to take it. But sometimes there's a basis to ask the judge to recuse himself. In this case, herself, Judge Chutkin. A recusal motions. You know, lawyers don't like to bring them unless there's really good reason, because um, judges don't like them, and they're afraid they're going to, you know, get negative blowback in other ways from the judge Uh, but Judge uh, but President Trump had a significant um, basis uh, to ask for Judge Shushkin's refusal and I'm gonna read you a little bit of the brief he filed because no one else is gonna read it to you or show it to you and I tweeted a little bit about it and this is this is the brief he filed I think it was when did he file this Oh, it was, it was last week, September 11th. Judge Chutkin has in connection with other cases suggested that President Trump should be prosecuted and imprisoned. Such statements made before this case began and without due process are inherently disqualifying. Although Judge Chutkin may genuinely intend to give President Trump a fair trial and may believe that she can do so, Her public statements unavoidably taint these proceedings, regardless of the outcome. The public will reasonably and understandably question whether Judge Chunkin arrived at all of her decisions in this matter impartially or in fulfillment of her prior negative statements regarding President Trump. Under these circumstances, the law and the overwhelming public interest in the integrity of this historic proceeding requires recusal. In October 2022, before the special counsel's appointment or the filing of this case, Judge Chutkin stated, This was nothing less than an attempt to violently overthrow the government, the legally, lawfully, peacefully elected government, by individuals who were mad that their guy lost. I see the videotapes. I see the footage of the flags and the signs that people were carrying and the hats they were wearing and and the garb and the people who mobbed that Capitol, she's talking about January 6th here, obviously, were there in fealty, in loyalty to one man, not to the Constitution, of which most of the people who come before me seem woefully ignorant, not to the ideals of this country, and not to the principles of democracy. It's a blind loyalty to one person, who, by the way, remains free to this day. And this is from a sentencing, sentencing transcript of a January 6th defendant. President Trump's lawyers go on to note, The public meeting of this statement is inescapable. President Trump is free, but should not be. As As an apparent prejudgment of guilt, these comments are disqualifying, standing alone. However, this wasn't the first time Judge Chutkin expressed such an opinion. In December 2021, Judge Chutkin similarly suggested that in her view, President Biden, Trump was responsible for the events of January 6, 2021, and should be prosecuted. He went to the Capitol, this is what she said, uh, because, and he's, she's talking about a January 6 defendant, just so you know. He went to the Capitol because, despite election results which were clear cut, Don't get me started there. Despite the fact that multiple court challenges all over the country had rejected every single one of the challenges to the election. Don't get me started there. Mr. Palmer, who was defended, didn't like the result. He didn't like the result and he didn't want the transition of power to take place because his guy lost. And it is true, Mr. Palmer, you have made a very good point, one that has been made before, that the people who exhorted you and encouraged you and rallied you to go and take action and to fight have not been charged. That is not this court's position. I don't charge anybody. I don't negotiate plea offices. I don't make charge decisions. I sentence people who have pled guilty or have been convicted. The issue of who has not been charged is not before me. I don't have any influence on that. I have my opinions but they are not relevant. So you have a point that the people who may be, the people who planned this and funded it and encouraged it haven't been charged, but that's not a reason for you to get a lower sentence. And he's he's referencing Trump, obviously. Bemoaning it, right? And this is what Trump's lawyers say. Although Judge Chunkin correctly noted that she does not have any influence on charging decisions. Her above comments, let me start over on that. I think I lost myself. In making, okay, I skipped the paragraph. That's why I am confused. In making these statements, Judge Chutkin agreed with the portions of the defendant's sentencing memorandum, which similarly and wrongly placed blame on President Trump and complained that he had not been charged. This is what he said. Those voices, including the voice of the president himself, had convicted persons such as Mr. Palmer that the election was fraudulent, had convinced persons such as Mr. Palmer that the election was fraudulent that they must take action to stop the transition of the presidency. While many of the people who were participating in the Capitol riot will, not be, will be going to prison, the architects of that horrific event will likely never be charged with any criminal offenses. Although Judge Chutkin correctly noted that she does not have any influence on charging decisions, her above comments stating, You have made a very good point that the people who exhorted you, encouraged you, and rallied you to go and take action and to fight have not been charged. And you have a point that the people who may be the people who plan this and funded it and encourage it haven't been charged, but that's not the reason for you to get a, a lower sentence. Reflect her, all of those, the Trump's lawyers say, reflect her apparent opinion that President Trump's conduct occurred and supports charges. Otherwise, she would not have characterized her, the point as very good. Similarly, Judge Sheckin's statement that I have my opinion suggests that her view formed almost two years before the initiation of this matter, which is the charging of Trump, President Trump should be charged. Public statements of this sort, excuse me, public statements of this sort create a perception of prejudgment incompatible with our justice system in a case this widely watched, of such monumental significance the public must have the utmost confidence that the court will administer justice neutrally and dispassionately. Judge Chutkin's pre-case statements undermine that confidence and therefore require disqualification. Now, I think that's a pretty persuasive brief. Now, the challenge for President Trump is that Judge Kutchen, in the end, makes the first call as to whether she recuses herself. And I don't recall knowing if she refuses to recuse herself, whether they can immediately appeal that. But no matter, um, it's a substantial question. It's not a a meritless request, because sometimes these recusals are just garbage. And that's not the case here. I remember seeing that Chutkin thing, uh, that Chutkin statement, I thought, well, that's substantial that she mentioned at the end. Um, you know, what was, the, what was the statement that I really found problematic? It's a blind loyalty to one person who, by the way, remains free to this day. I mean, she's obviously complaining about Trump not being charged. Now, given those statements, do you trust Judge Chutkin to fairly administer that case? Is it reasonable to question her bias? I think so. And the Justice Department's reactions in the briefs have been weak. Um, they suggest that the judge can, you know, make statements like this, you know, if there were proceedings that she was responding to before her and you know didn't necessarily preclude her, you know, they weren't the type of bias that is improper. And, you know, there was nothing in the proceedings before her that, uh, incur- that that required her to make these gratuitous statements that she wishes Trump had been charged and that the defendant before her was right. The people should have been charged and that's not fair. It's a good point. Well, there you have it. The other thing the Justice Department is doing within this Judge Shutkin case. So, uh, by the way, this is the case, right? This is the most important case practically speaking, because it's the one that's likely to come to trial first, and obviously it could result in negative consequences for President Trump if it goes south. The Justice Department, uh, the Biden Justice Department through Jack Smith, the uh, so-called special counsel, who, as I have highlighted, is engaged in myriad uh, examples of prosecutorial abuse, which I saw firsthand when I testified before the grand jury, his people, Uh, He, she, uh, excuse me, he or his people are asking for a gag order that would essentially shut down the Trump campaign. And they're pretending that Trump has no right to complain about these abuses, complain about this prosecution, complain about the likelihood of a jury being biased here in the District of Columbia, complain about Joe Biden, complain about the judge, and defend himself in the middle of a campaign from a prosecution brought by the administration of his opponent. And the Justice Department is essentially asking Judge Chutkin to tell Trump he can't say a thing, not only about this case, but about anyone else associated with this case, which could be anyone ranging from Vice President Pence or the former Vice President who's running against him to Joe Biden. So right now, the official position of the Biden Justice Department is that Donald Trump should not talk about the number one campaign issue, or I would say one of the top campaign issues in the least, he's facing, which is these outrageous prosecutions of him. And I don't know what Judge Shuchin going to do here. I don't know what the courts are going to do. but. Even filing the brief is chilling, right? Because President Trump and his people around him must be thinking, oh, but, you know, what, we, can we even say anything now, given the fact Judge Chutkin is considering this? Now, the Biden administration is pretending that it's, they're taking this January 6th line, criticizing Biden and Smith makes him responsible for people who improperly threaten them subsequently. Well, that's, that's not fair, it's not true, and, and legally it's outrageous. So you can't criticize Biden because someone who doesn't like Biden goes and, and does something he's not supposed to in terms of threats? And so you know, uh, Jack Smith is using as an excuse to keep the names of those who are working for him you know, on this unprecedented prosecution away from the American people pretending there's a security issue when there is no security issue. Public officials, unfortunately, are often, often face, especially the more prominent they become, and the more controversial their decisions, unfortunately face threats that are illegal and intimidation which can be illegal and troubling. And no one supports that. But, I mean, the idea that we somehow have them all masked, right, from the American people... That's not the way it's supposed to work. So that's where we stand on the awful Trump prosecutions. And I don't think I talked about the other big development over the last um, week or two, which is, congratulations, you got an impeachment inquiry. You pressured Speaker McCarthy to finally give in Uh, Because he didn't want one, just I'm I'm not going to get into the details as to why he didn't want one, and he's obviously hearing from you, dear voter, dear patriot, dear citizen, and he came back to town after a seven-week outrageous seven-week break, seven-week recess, and the first announcement he did was he finally did what I've been telling him to do. since February, I think, I said all these investigative committees should be escalated and elevated to impeachment inquiries and impeachment committees. And he did just that. So there is a three-committee impeachment investigation of President Biden. It is uh, the House Oversight Committee, run by James Comer, the Judiciary Committee, run by Jim Jordan, and the House Ways and Means Committee, run by Congressman Smith, I forget his first name. So uh, there are three committees now uh, moving on impeachment on President Biden. Uh, The first hearing is going to be on September 28th, so next week. And they can't move fast enough, right? This can't be hearings world without end, amen. We've gotta get this done quickly. And it's only part of the um, uh, accountability that needs to be pursued. over this Biden corruption. And that's why I talk about also defunding, criminal referrals. I dare say it, you know, given what Garland's been doing, expand the impeachment to include people like Garland or other officials who were involved in this conspiracy to obstruct justice with Joe to protect him from the consequences of uh, his uh, the um, his evident illegal racketeering operation he's been running probably since he's a public official, but certainly beginning in the Biden ra- in the in the Obama White House, and that continues to this day. So there are all sorts of things that need to be done. They need to be done quickly, and um, you know only now, for instance, are they talking about directly subpoenaing Hunter's documents. I mean, he should be questioned under oath immediately. I saw Zelensky was here in Washington, D.C., making his speeches, asking for more money, and I'm gonna stay away from that debate for now. But um, I tell you what, the impeachment committee should have questioned him about Burisma and Biden corruption, right? Hunter and Joe are alleged to have gotten, there's an FBI document showing that there's a source saying this, at least $10 million in bribes from Burisma in order to help protect Burisma from corruption investigations. What does Zelensky know about that? I mean, if it's true, certainly that would be a crisis for our country, right? So this is the sort of, you know, this is is what I encourage you to do. Congratulations, we got the impeachment inquiry, now what's next, right? And that's why we can never stop. And I appreciate that Congress is now doing impeachment following Judicial Watch's lead, but we're not gonna stop our work. We've got 10 plus, maybe a dozen lawsuits, at least a dozen lawsuits, probably many more than that, depending on how you define them, on Biden corruption. Many more FOIA's going out. Congress is still getting railroaded. We're pursuing documents separately through the FOIA process. I, I, I was talking to members of Congress and communicating with members of Congress this week, and to a person they highlighted, that how much they love judicial watch because we get documents Congress can't get. So we're gonna keep on doing that, impeachment or not. So there there that's that's where we stand. Let's stop funding the corruption people. Get on the horn call your members of Congress. All that we were talking about with Trump being targeted with a gag order to shut down his campaign by the Biden administration that they filed with a friendly judge, all of that can be turned off by Congress next week. Call them. And encourage them to move quickly on impeachment. You know what to do. We've got this wonderful right to petition our government still. They haven't stopped it completely, right? Exercise it! I've given myself a headache. We have a lot more going on. You know, w- w- another national crisis, let me be blunt, is the fact we kill, in too many states, our unborn babies through abortion. And um, with the overthrow of the Roe regime by the Supreme Court, which allows the states and the federal government to uh, protect life and restrict abortion the Biden administration is furious because they want abortion and they pushed for abortion through the entire nine months of pregnancy. If you can get a doctor to kill your baby, it doesn't matter when, during the entire nine months of pregnancy, they want that legalized. And they're frustrated that there are states that are protecting unborn life, beginning when they have a heartbeat or you know, uh, uh, you know making it a little more difficult to get abortion and protecting unborn lives. They hate the idea that there are babies alive today because of restrictions on abortion. and This is, a, in my view, a death cult. Part of their effort to overturn or do an end run around the states is to make what is known as the abortion pill widely available. Now, it's not like taking aspirin. I mean, I'm not gonna lecture you on how, why taking a pill to kill your unborn child it may have deleterious health effects and probably should be done uh, certainly only under the supervision of a doctor. God help us. The Biden administration basically wants to make these um, impossible to regulate. Uh, no doctors necessary, no follow-ups necessary. You know, the rules have been so weakened or so that, that they proposed that the courts had to step in and you just can't do this. I mean, no one's being fooled. This is a dangerous drug and you just can't willy-nilly uh, just throw out all of these safety regulations because you've got this radical pro-abortion agenda. And Judicial Watch has been investigating this drug since Hillary Clinton helped push it through during the Clinton administration because there was a company in Europe that was initially, I think, had the um, patent for the drug. and. Um, they were German, and they didn't like the idea of having a drug that killed unborn human beings given Germans' history with the Holocaust. And so the Clinton gang extracted that uh, patent and got another European company and other um, secret, a secretive company basically that no one knows how they were run or who owned them uh, to manufacture the drug. And they rushed through and politicized the process to get the FDA to approve it just before uh, Clinton left office. And then under Obama, they tried to expand access by making it more easier to get, even though there are many concerns about it. And then after Roe, they just went crazy and they basically, (laughs) you know, want to turn the... I I only joke... I'm not going to say what I'm jokingly going to say because the fact checkers will say that even my joke needs to be fact-checked. But they want this drug widely distributed in a way that would not only you know kill the unborn, uh, but place the health of women at risk in, in ways that are just outrageous. I mean, taking a drug to cause the equivalent of a miscarriage, I mean, does that sound like something that ought to be promoted by the federal government? So we were doing investigations on this back 20 years ago, and you know this demonic drug is still out there and being pushed by Biden, and we filed a lawsuit just recently in October uh, that was filed again after the Fed Food and Drug Administration failed to respond to basic requests for records um, and correspondence with the manufacturers of this drug, Mifeprex, regarding the drug's stability and for all FDA reports from assessments of Danco and GenBio manufacturing facilities, investigational and new drug applications as well as stability test results. So we wanted to know what they were doing with these companies and those reports that we're talking about often disclose adverse events that could be tied to the drugs. Now the left has now weaponized the use of adverse event reports to kind of, to to, uh, suppress information about adverse events namely with respect to the COVID vaccines. So if you go and look up adverse events or the adverse reporting systems online at the FDA website related to the COVID vaccines and share them or push them widely, the left gets very upset. Because, as you know, to be fair and to be clear, adverse events, as reported online, it's not conclusive evidence that any, the adverse event is tied to the drug. Is it conclusive evidence? No. Is it good evidence? Maybe. Is it something that could be concerning if enough adverse events, you know, a specific event happens like myocarditis? Is it a signal that was worth following up? Sure. Certainly the Biden administration, the FDA have been forced to do that with COVID after suppressing news about those adverse events. So this has all been politicized so the fact that i'm saying as this press release highlights that the documents that we have begun getting on this abortion kill pill shows that there were at least six deaths possibly linked to the abortion drugs between 2000 and 2002. now you're saying now i know what you're saying so well that was 20 years ago aren't there more recent documents you bet there are but you know what the biden administration has said well, Judicial Watch, you want 400,000 documents, and we're only giving you 500 pages a month. We're only going to re- produce them at 500 pages a month, meaning they're going to review 500 pages, and of those that they think they can release to us or they deem worthy of being released or they don't want to withhold, we're going to get some documents. So it's going to even be less than 500. In this case, we've got the first production was a little bit over 500, 588 pages. But if uh, do the math, guys. 500 pages a month or so, 400,000 potentially responsive documents. And what does that mean? That means 66 years? We'd have to wait. I mean, even if we modified our request, it's gonna be years and years before we get the documents if the court allows this abuse to, and slow walking of information to continue. So anyway, the documents show six deaths related to this drug that the Biden administration is trying to push, or have been reported related to this drug. So you know, like I said, it's not conclusive, but you can decide. The records include an annual report from Mr. Stone covering the period September 28, two thousand to September 27, thousand twenty one, produced by the Population Council. Danco Laboratories, so the Population Council was the group that was created to push this drug. Remember, pregnancy isn't a disease, so I I hate to even call it a drug. The summary shows that during the testing period, 32 adverse events were reported to Danco and reported by Danco to the FDA in periodic reports. So companies generally are required to turn over reports about adverse events you know, potential adverse events that have been reported in relation to the drug to the FDA. Now, the Biden administration was trying to even pull back that in some way. Uh, And that was stopped, at least initially. Of the 32 reported adverse events, two were 15-day reports. The others were not serious and were not unexpected. One of the 15-day reports was reported as a hemorrhage due to a ruptured ectopic pregnancy and death. The other was reported as a post-abortal paramilitis endometritis, adult respiratory distress syndrome, and bilateral pneumonia. The latter 15-day report and one case where fever was reported represent the total reports on the marketed drug suggesting infection. In addition, one infection was reported in the populations councils 200 milf, milf, um, mifepristone study, and one death due to Clostridium sordellii infection was reported in the Canadian study. So there you go. That's one, two deaths in just one report. Another post-marketing study, dated September 28, 2001, reports on the safety results for 940 women. And that report details one person required a blood transfusion, two required administration of intravenous fluids, one required hospitalization, and one died. But don't worry, the study reports an overall overall success rate of 97.8%, unless you're the person who died, potentially, related to the drug. It goes on, another report, dated in September 2002, Indicates that a 971-person study, women—again, only women can get pregnant. I, I know that may be controversial for you. This is so you know everyone out there—they were only testing pregnant women, not pregnant men, because men don't get pregnant. So I don't know if i don't know if we can even think this study is. Does the left even think these studies are legitimate if they're testing women? That's the time we're in. They administered a combination of misoprostone and misoprostol to induce abortions. One subject needed a blood transfusion. Two were administered IV fluids and one was hospitalized and one died. And so the big concern is the ectopic pregnancies and um, look up what an ectopic pregnancy is. And what happens, and the concern is that, you know, this the moral objections to this drug aside, it's really something you shouldn't mess with. And the later in pregnancy you take it, the uh, there are potential risks that take place. Uh, and so the idea that the Biden administration be sending this drug through the mail and having no adequate medical oversight is just barbaric. I mean, you know, imagine a woman taking this drug and... As lo- expelling their unborn child at home, I mean, the trauma and 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 the health consequences of that. I mean, we can only pray that people don't go through that. But this is the nightmare that the death cult wants for America. Another study, April nineteenth, April nineteenth, two thousand two. A letter. Um, it wasn't a letter, but it was a dear. dear it was a letter, not a study. Dear healthcare provider New safety information We received a report of a myocardial infarction heart attack occurring in a 21-year-old woman 3 days following use of mifepristone and misoprostol Another safety update for the period June 1, 2001 to May 31, 2002 23 spontaneous reports of which 12 cases of serious adverse events, 11 non-serious events in association. One case of an unintended pregnancy with fetal malformation. Can you imagine? You see there one case of death and one case of thoracic pain. Five unintended pregnancies two cases of allergic reaction, excessive bleeding, etc. Now the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals has highlighted like the, the, you know, certainly this is an example of why this, you know, this drug profile um, needs a strict supervision by the medical community if if we're going to allow women to take this abominable drug. The appeals court recently here heard, and Octu- um, recently made a decision, Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals in August. In loosening Mrs. Preston's safety restrictions, the Biden FDA I'm adding Biden into the FDA uh, failed to address several important concerns about whether the drug would be safe for the women who use it. It failed to consider the cumulative effect of removing several important safeguards at the same time, it failed to consider whether those major and interrelated changes might alter the risk profile, such that the agency should continue to mandate reporting of non-fatal adverse events. So, if you're bleeding, unintended pregnancies with a malformed fetus, human being, by administration didn't want to hear it. And it failed to gather evidence that affirmatively showed that mifepristone could be used safely without being described and dispensed in person. And now the Supreme Court seeking review of this, excuse me, the Biden administration seeking review of this with the Supreme Court. It's outrageous that, the judici- that Judicial Watch has had to sue in federal court for basic safety information about this abortion pill. The revelations in the records released today explain why the Biden administration is so desperate to bury this damning information. This drug is potentially dangerous to the mothers as well as to the intended victims, the unborn babies. Now we filed amicus briefs in this court case that we're talking about where uh, people are challenging uh, the uh, changes in rules that put this dangerous drug in potentially the wrong hands at the wrong time. All, be, all to all as part of this abortion mania. I mean, my concern about this abortion fight is that, uh, and by the way, we also have a great special report on this, um, and you can see it in our press release here. We've got a link to the press release down below from our prior work 20 years ago. And you know, people of good faith can disagree on abortion. And you know we we'll probably have some resolution. You know I may want want more protection. Someone else may want less protections. But in most states, if the people's will are felt, uh, some babies are going to be saved. But the left is in the control of this death cult that doesn't want any protections, and has gone from even pro-choice to you know, w- the, you know which I always thought was a big lie to actually pro-abortion. They want people to have more abortions. I'm convinced, given their positions on issues related from this drug pill to using defense dollars illegally to kill the unborn babies of service members and their family members. What is going on in this Biden administration that they're so obsessed with aborting so many unborn human beings? Terrible, terrible, terrible. Well, Judicial Watch is doing what it can under the law to expose it. They want this drug pushed out there. The same gang that pushed the vaccines, that, as you know, were so controversial, is pushing something that I think is infinitely more dangerous. Obviously, it kills unborn babies, so it's necessarily dangerous, uh, but it's also terribly dangerous to women. And the Biden administration didn't want you to know about it because we had to sue for the records. Speaking of COVID, Judicial Watch has uh, new documents that we uncovered through FOIA, and just hard, heavy lifting through investigations. Documents that reveal photos and conditions in that illegal uh, California lab, I lose two labs, owned by a Chinese company. We got 29 pages of documents through the California Public Records Act that confirm illicit labs owned by Chinese nationals house biologicals in hazardous and non-compliant conditions, multiple infectious agents, and starving and dead mice. Judicial Watch's investigators also uncovered court documents which detail the deplorable conditions of the lab, which also conducted COVID research. I think they were injecting COVID into the mice as part of selling tests or internet tests for COVID. The documents were produced by the Fresno County Department of Public Health in response to a request for records about this, uh, uh, this California COVID, I call it the COVID lab, it was, that's what they were doing, and it was owned by a prestige biotech, which is, um, uh, had run the lab called University of Meditech. The records show that on May 31st, 2023, uh, a health officer in the Fresno County Department of Public Health, so there were two, there were two, the labs were in Fresno, and then they moved um, to Reedley, California, which I guess is near Fresno. I don't know. I don't live in California, and it's way Reedley, I think, is 200 miles you know from San Francisco. so it's that it's the good part of California, right? That's a good part of the state, right? Fresno. Um, so anyway, I'm getting distracted by the geography of California. Uh, the order is a, issued as a result of the city of Reedley's attempt at gathering authorized representative contact information repeated requests of complete lists of biologicals present, and an inspection pursuant to a health officer order dated April 21, 2023, which revealed biologicals in hazardous and noncompliant conditions, the presence of multiple infectious agents, and pursuant to Title 17 California Code of Regulations Section 2500 and multiple city of Reedley building and fire code violations including but not limited to failing refrigeration and documented out-of-compliance electrical additions." So essentially, this was kind of like a pop-up lab that was showed up, and I think a health inspector if i read um, I think I read an Associated Press report about it, the health inspector kind of accidentally found it because someone was complaining about parking violations at a warehouse facility, and they saw a a, a um, garden hose or something. <laughs> and water and, you know, basically he, the, the inspector sniffed around and, and, and these Chinese nationals were running the lab. Now the AP lab, the AP was concerned that people were drawing negative inferences because there were Chinese nationals. Well, there are four, you know, chinese it's a Chinese company and it's a communist government so they're always involved in Chinese companies. Who are they kidding? So we got the report detailing how this was handled by the government. And they seem to be doing a good job. Um, and at the end of the report, um, it be- the process began, according to the documents, in December of 2022, and they kicked it upstairs to the FBI and CDC. So they thought something was up, and. Um, and the FBI said, you know, just continue investigating it. Don't wait on us. And uh, in July of 2023, biolog- the, there was an abatement warrant issued by the court and, uh, in June. And then in July, biological materials in approximately 36 refrigerator freezers were properly removed and transported for destruction. Under the heading Next Steps in the documents, the presentation notes the investigations by the Health Department, the FDA, the California Department of Public Health, the Health Department's Food and Drug Branch, and the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency were ongoing. So I'll be interested to know what happens there. So we got the documents from Fresno, uh, which provide detail on how they handled it. And we also, our investigator figured out uh, how to get the court documents, which disclose other details about what was in these labs including the presence of, of dead mice. And, uh, you know, dead mice don't scare you, but uh, they're dead because of poor lab conditions involving COVID and who knows what else. It should, it should cause some, some concern. Exhibit two, uh, there's this abatement warrant I talked about. Exhibit two of the Declaration of Code Enforcement Officer Jessalyn Harper contains graphic images of dead mice from the mouse room at the Reedley facility. Now I'm gonna, just before I'm gonna, while I'm reading this, we're gonna post some video of pictures of the dead mice. Uh, They're I mean, they're a little bit graphic. Would you think they're terribly graphic? Yeah. Well anyway, if you don't like to see dead mice, don't look at them or be warned. You got three seconds to turn away. (laughs) One, two, three. Upon entering the mouse room, code enforcement and Dr. Hahn Uh, observed a large amount of mice feces on the floor. It was undeterminable if the feces were from wild mice or if the mice in the cages had begun to kick up feces out of the cages. But the photos of the feces were taken regardless because according to Dr. Hahn it was very likely a mixture of both. See some dead mice there. Dr. Hahn confirmed the mice were in server server distress because of barbering taking place. The high number of visible carcasses in the cage and the lack of pinkies. Barbering is a social activity with mice consistent with over grooming. When under stress, the dominant mice will begin to rip the hair and skin off less dominant mice. The lack of pinkies can be related to starvation or stress because code enforcement had been trying to provide adequate food and water it is believed cannibalism is due to stress. And so they killed the mice that were remaining, they euthanized them. So what does this story tell you? That Chinese biological research of some type is going on here in the United States. Americans should know that dangerous biological research doesn't just occur in Wuhan. And we've talked about how it's occurred elsewhere as well. And uh, so I know you have seen stories about this China, I shouldn't say I know you have seen, maybe this, you're hearing about this for the first time, but it's been out there online and you can trust Judicial Watch to try to get to the bottom of these questions that people have about this, these labs that were set up in California. And we have other information about other biological research that is concerning here in the United States. In November 2022, um, excuse me, in April 2022, we received records from um, an agency that showed safety lapis laps laps laps, laps <laughs> lapses and violations of U.S. biosafety lab laboratories at U.S. Sa- now I've got I get myself confused. I'm turning into I feel like I'm turning into Joe Biden bit by bit. I'm sure I'm not the only one. Every time I screw up a word, it feels like, oh, no, am I turning into Joe Biden? That revealed safety lapses and violations at U.S. biosafety laboratories that conduct research on dangerous agents and toxins. There's NIH records revealing over two dozen cases where research involved recombinant or synthetic nucleic acid acid molecules were conducted in America without proper approval or a violation of NIH guidelines. So this will gain-of-function research here in America. And then, of course, we had documents that showed that the Defense Department was funding anthrax laboratory activities in Ukraine, over $11 million in funding for Ukraine BioLabs in 2019. And I don't understand why we're still funding that, why we're not shutting it down. Um, And obviously the war in Ukraine has increased the risks to those labs and a problem that could have been averted if we had just shut the darn labs down rather than funded their perpetual status of operation. I mean, this has been going on for 20 plus years. So it's not just Wuhan that Judicial Watch is investigating. We're having to investigate what's going on here in the United States. And then of course, there are labs in, in Ukraine that also need monitoring. And I know every time I mention the word Ukraine that people say, well, you don't, you're on the side of the Russia. No, it's, it's, a, it's a fact. I mean, do you think we should be supporting anthrax laboratories in Ukraine? I don't. War or no war, I don't think we should be doing it. We should be shut down. So there's an ongoing investigation into this lab in California, and Judicial Watch is, again, right in the forefront of uh, this illicit Chinese activity in California involving COVID. They were injecting mice with COVID, according to reports, and you can see what happened to the mice. What in Lord's name was happening over there? The investigations continue and we're going to be pressing for more information. You can be sure of that. So with that, uh, you have your work to do. You need to call members of Congress about this continuing resolution. I I call it a, uh, there's a, (laughs) I should have said this in the beginning, The establishment wants a, quote, a clean CR. It's not going to be a clean CR under their definition. And no normal person would call it a clean CR. I call it a a lying, dirty, dog-faced, pony soldier of a CR that funds the worst in Biden corruption. So you want to oppose a dirty CR that funds Biden corruption. That's what I would be saying if I were calling Congress. So 202-225-3121. So we'll see where we are in the battle next week to protect our nation. And you can be sure that Judicial Watch will continue to fight 24-7 in the meantime for for truth, through FOIA, through litigation, and through education. Thank you very much. I'll see you here next week. Thanks for listening to the Judicial Watch Weekly Update with Tom Fitton. For more information, visit www.judicialwatch.org because no one is above the law.